T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Club, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, well, well. Welcome in, everybody, to Inside the Clubhouse. Following the winter meetings out there in Vegas, our man Bruce Levine is back, and we've got thoughts and sound and context and conversation regarding both the Cubs and the White Sox. And the White Sox are the most newsworthy, perhaps the most relevant team in baseball this particular week. It's kind of remarkable, isn't it? Well, Matt, it appears the Sox have thrown a lot of sevens and some snake eyes for the uh, Chicago Cubs so far. Uh, From the uh, gambling perspective of Vegas returning, and uh, certainly uh, White Sox fans have to be enthused by the additions that they've made here. Uh, A trade that was just made official right now, Yonder Alonso is now... Uh, in the mix at first base in DH for the Chicago White Sox. Trade made official by the White Sox and the Indians this morning. That's an interesting one on the face of it, Bruce, because he's a first baseman, left-handed hitter with power, better defensively than Jose Abreu. So um, are you. Thank you. <laughs> and and certainly, like, uh, but but he's a veteran with nine mil here and then an option for 2020. He doesn't really fit on the face of it to me, but okay. he's the brother-in-law of Manny Machado. Well, and you just said it. So you have a team that you're selling for now in the future to Bryce Harper and to Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. How do you sell that saying, well, well you know what? Uh, they're not going to walk you guys every time you come up and pitch around you. You have to have a solid team around you. Now this gives them Alonzo. You have Abreu. You're going to have the hottest young hitter in baseball, allegedly, in Eloy Jimenez, the second week of April. So all of a sudden, a lineup that was bereft of uh, power, bereft of on-base percentage, uh, not any uh, balance at all, is looking much more solid for the Chicago White Sox to sell yes. their team to a uh, Manny Machado or a Bryce Harper. You guys will not be alone if you come here, either one of you. You'll have a couple of guys who can hit 25 homers near you in the lineup, and then some combination of Daniel Palka and eventually Eloy Jimenez and and some others uh, to be there. And oh, by the way, do you get along well with your brother-in-law, Manny? Let's sit down and talk about it and, tomorrow, as you reported. And we have a private Monday, drink service for you to bring your uh, payroll check every two weeks as well. By the way, Matt, uh, inside the clubhouse, Brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your top restaurant, bakery, and deli in Chicagoland. They remind you that catering in the restaurant party rooms are available now for all of your holiday special events or business meetings. Ask for John at maxandbennys.com. The party room 
can accommodate 10 to 150 people for all your special events. Soup season is here. The freshest and heartiest soups warm the body. Make your day at Max and Benny's. Combine that with build your own salad to start your day and end your evening at Max and Benny's. Dinners from nine, from four to nine, seven days a week. The best deli in the city. Bakery goods and breads to die for. 30 minutes from downtown. 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. Love you some Machado and Harper Talk. So... How real is this stuff for the White Sox? All week, um, they were there was buzz about them and Bryce Harper, Jim Bowden, saying they're the front runners. Um, I found that I find it kind of hard to believe that they are the front runners, uh-huh. but I, they certainly are, are, are the most discussed when it comes to okay. Harper. But then that seemed to shift later in the week, maybe towards Machado. What what is your feeling on where they are with those guys? Well. I was able to break the news uh, yesterday evening that uh, the White Sox will meet with Manny Machado and his representative, uh, Dan Lozano, this week. There'll be four to five other teams meeting with Machado this week. So how does that segue for White Sox fans who are now have been hearing all about Bryce Harper, how the White Sox were the lead dog on Bryce Harper, and now they're sitting down with Manny Machado. So a lot of the reporting on Harper and the White Sox being the lead dog, uh, I think is over their skis. I I believe the White Sox are certainly in. Uh, There has been one meeting on November 19th with Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jim Tomey, and Harper. Mm -hmm. There have been two phone calls, I believe, with um, Jerry Reinsdorf and Scott Boros, and nothing else. Okay? That makes the White Sox... The lead dog. I don't think there's been, to my knowledge, I don't think there's been a money exchange of what is wanted on either side. So um, when the perception out there is that Harper and Machado are both going to get $320 million, $330 million, I don't think there's been any offers. No no offers from anybody. No, other than Washington Mm -hmm. uh, initially uh, last summer. Uh, 10 years, 300 million turned down. Let's listen to Rick Hahn, um, who you spoke with uh, several times this week at the winter meetings. This is Rick Hahn talking about being at the table with Harper and or Machado, really. We're excited to be discussing impactful moves for the long term. We've, it's been, a, as we've made no secret, it's been a tough couple of years on everyone associated with the White Sox and and, an understandably tough couple of years given what we're trying to accomplish for the long term and it's good to be uh, have a seat at the table on some large impactful moves. Now again, it doesn't mean that anything's necessarily going to come together. We still have a a fair amount of work to do and even if we are able to convert on something big, there's still going to be more work behind it over the coming years to get us to where we need to be. Yeah, even even Rick is is, is, just kind of celebrating the relevance. You know, it's it's nice to be relevant. It's nice to be trying to do things in the right direction. I don't know how much more this will amount to, but it's certainly nice to be in that spot. Let's analyze the last 10-year contract. It was actually 13 years for Giancarlo Stanton. Mm. And within two years, he was traded to the Yankees. And now it appears the Yankees, even though they got 35 homers out of him last year, have uh, a buyer's or purchaser's remorse. Um why is it going to be 10 years for Harper and Machado other than the fact that they're 26 years old? Has there ever been a 10-year contract 
this side of the steroid-induced Alex Rodriguez That's where I was going to go. Yeah. That has worked out. How long was the Miguel Cabrera extension? Was eight years when it didn't need to be? And we're right. I mean, got they three got or four they bad three ones or four left. That he's going to be playing on one leg, and uh, you know, maybe coaching third base on certain days the, just to get the money out of it. The Angels just signed who? Justin Bauer, right? Uh, Justin Bauer and and or Justin Bohr, and they're going to put him at first. So that means that Albert Pujols is an unbelievably expensive platoon first baseman. Slash DH. Well, he he. And uh, what do you do with Otani? Well, Otani's the DH when he's healthy. Well, so, he's, he's gonna. They, they're gonna want him to DH an awful lot, yep. considering the production that he put out there in a limited amount of bats. So, last year. so Pujols is really a platoon first he, baseman. He's actually the uh, assistant to the assistant general manager. I mean, you, so my my point and yours, I believe, is even though they're twenty six, both having had knee problems in the past, uh, is this. Uh, Scott Boros saying they're going to get 10 or 12 years, or is the reality more like seven, eight, or nine years? It's a terrible idea to give 10-year guaranteed contracts to anybody in baseball. Except people in radio like it, Well, we should all have yeah, them. Right. But it's a horrific idea for any non-radio people to get a 10-year guaranteed guaranteed contract. But they're 26. They're right there in the prime. Right. But the question is how many suitors are actually there for either of them. I Machado... Uh, are the Phillies still in on Harper and or Machado with all the money? They've spent money on McCutcheon. They, uh, they've, they've moved some money with Carlos Santana. But, you know, how real are the Phillies still? Cause they, they have to get one of those guys. That, that's the mentality. mentality. I, I talked to a bunch of their beat reporters who I've known for a lot of years, Matt, and mm-hmm. – uh, they say, you know, the owner we've heard um, said we're going to spend stupid amount of money, and they're going to have to. Uh, one of these guys is going to get overpaid, and it'll probably be by Philadelphia. It only takes one suitor for a guy like Scott Boros. Right. Well, he can, he can maybe pit Philadelphia or the appearance of Philadelphia against the Yankees right. and gets what, get so what he wants if, out of the so Yankees. So if Harper wants the most money in the most years rather than the place – He's he fits the best and he's going to win. He might end up in Philadelphia. I have this feeling that the destinations for Machado and Harper are both evident and kind of annoyingly obvious right now. If I told you right now that Manny Machado ends up as a Yankee, which is a team and a market he has dreamed of playing for and a team that is looking to move Miguel Andohar and willing to play Glaber Torres at shortstop and has space and money potentially for Machado. If I told you Machado's a Yankee and Bryce Harper is a Dodger and LA being the closest thing to Vegas and the mm-hmm. biggest possible market for Bryce, if I told you those guys were going to go to the big money coastal teams, how, how wrong is that? I, I would say that the money line would be Right, right, yeah. I, I think it's annoyingly obvious. Yeah, what this has winnowed down to, and the Cubs not even in those conversations. Nonetheless, teams like the White Sox are going to continue to try hard to get a reasonable deal with either one of these guys. Now, what's reasonable? Mm. I don't think the White Sox are going more than seven or eight years on either one of these guys. Okay, so. When when you hear that, I saw your eyes just roll. It's like no, I'm just, that's not going to be enough. I, uh, yeah, like, that's not going to be enough. Right, you're you're right. But if they send the set the all time mark for money spent for a seven or eight year deal, and it's front loaded, right, with a possible opt out, which is stupid. I doubt the White Sox will do that. Three. The opt out the opt out for. 
guys that have done great is just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. Why any team would agree with it, just ridiculous. Other than maybe you look at the J.D. Martinez deal and you see that's front-loaded. He's got an opt-out. He can leave after two years. They've already won a World Series. He's accomplished that. He can get another big contract. The opt-out is another carrot that they can offer and another thing that Boris can use into the mix. But I think if you're a team... Sox aren't going to do it. If you're you're a team, you're kind of assuming that the guy's not going to take the opt-out. Well, you're you're paying him so he is good and he is the top player in the game. Mm -hmm. Why would you let him go? Why would why would you say okay you've you've done really well and now you're going to try to get more money? I don't think you can front load the deal like crazy and give him the opt out. No, right? No, because but, if but you front you load it like do. crazy, you're 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 banking on on more uh, you know feasible years on the back. What end. the White Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, if they decide to uh, spend money, what they can do is they can make them the highest paid players in the history of the game. Mm. They can make them 35, 36 million dollar a year players. That is the enticing part. Uh the security for a long time enticing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be 10, 12 years that an agent has just come up with because other people have gotten it. It doesn't work. Let's uh, listen to Rick Hahn on the overall effect of being here at the table. And I think he touches on um, s- some themes that are running through the minds of White Sox fans. And he, he, he told, you, uh, told you about being at that table and how they feel about being there. We deserve a seat at the table. We're, you know, the, we're allowed to have nice things. And part of the reason we did this was to put us in a position to go out and get some nice things for the long term, uh, both from the prospect standpoint and from out there in the trade or free agent market. That said, you know, uh, certainly don't want to create a uh, unrealistic expectation of what we're trying to do this offseason or what we're going to be able to accomplish this offseason. We've made no secret that there's a couple of uh, intriguing long-term fits out there and that we're going to do the, the best we can within our ability to, to try to see if those things line up for the long term. But if for whatever reason they don't, which obviously it's, it's, it's difficult to convert on uh, premium free agents in a, in a competitive market, and if it plays out that uh, we're unable to convert uh, at the bare minimum, Minimum, we're going to have uh, shown a willingness to to be involved uh, with that type of player, which bodes well for the future. And we're going to be uh, perhaps a year from now in an even better position to convert. All right. So maybe a year from now, they'll be able to convert and sign a guy if they don't convert now. He's, he's happy with the relevance. And I, 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 I don't know how that plays to 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 everybody. I mean, it, it's good. I, I think this is good for them to be talked about, them to be discussed, them to be talked about in this way, for all of us to think about in this way. But if they whiff on both those guys, does that end up being a net positive or not? Santa, I want a polo shirt. I'd like some uh, coach perfume for you're, my wife. You're allowed and to have, yeah. Because I want, we're allowed to have nice things. <laughs> and Manny Machado. We're allowed to have nice things. Shortstop and third base. Um, it's been so bad. They tried to win Machado, and it was bad. Machado then they're rebuilding be, and it's bad. Machado would be the starting shortstop for the White Sox. Move Tim Anderson to second. Move Moncada to third or the outfield even? I think the most athletic guy is Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson to the outfield. Center field. Machado uh, to third. Mm. And by September... Moncada to third. Madrigal at second base. That that fast for Madrigal. Fast. 
I mean, dude doesn't strike out. He does not strike out. And teams are starved for guys like that. It's a different look. It's a different team. It's a more productive team on paper. Uh, You got Eloy in left. You know, you have, uh, you know, another addition or two along the way. Yeah. You have a closer now in column A that they got 10 days ago. You have another starting pitcher in Nova to go with that young group. You have a new catcher in James McCann that was signed yesterday to go along with Wellington Castile. He's, he's, All of a he's sudden, bad, though. James McCann is really bad. Well, no, he was, a, he was a bad hitter last year. Bad hitter and bad at pitch framing. Yeah, I think pitch framing is as good as sometimes as the ability for your pitchers to make pitches. Oh, I disagree. I, I think I think framing is is hugely important. I think the White Sox are on the low end I, of franchises. I, I, I will argue about with it. you all day long that framing is important, but if you have pitchers that cannot hit the glove, it really doesn't matter. Well, I, I, I think you, you work both together together right. to get every little advantage. Yeah, you, don't, you, you don't hear too much pitch framing problems with teams that have top pitching staffs because those pitchers can actually make pitches. Well, if they don't have the reputation, if you got a bunch of young pitchers that don't yet have the reputation, it'd be awfully good to have some catchers who yeah, are good at doing yeah, that to help it, you out. It'd be great if you could it actually will. hit those spots. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, those things live together. We'll, we'll continue just to like discuss that. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's something there's something kind of kind of sad about the way that Han talks about it to me. They're a little bit like, we're allowed to have nice things. I, I don't see it that way. You don't? It's no, just... I, I think it's it's them rising from the ashes. That's for sure. You know, that that's it's two years of eating dirt. You remember how hard it was for Cub fans and Cub, the Cub front office to duck and cover when it was uh, three years of the Ryan Sweeney's of the world mm-hmm. and the uh, guys that you'd never heard of, you know, yeah. footnotes in Cub history. But 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 that was Theo who had done it before. Um, and not here. It, no, not here. But Theo had done it before. And no, he, he big, really a, he really had not, had not done, it done a full rebuild. He won a championship. He's won two right. championships. But, and he but was, he'd shown a propensity to scout and develop. And the development not, is not, not what's never, happening. By no, the way. not a rebuild though. And, and no, they did it beautifully. They won a championship. They were set up with four years in a row, mm-hmm. going on five this year uh, with a team that won ninety five games but, last year. But you also knew they'd have money and would spend it and would be a destination. Sox have money. Well, they they have money. They appear willing to spend it. The question is whether they are a destination. Well, or not. the Cubs were not a destination when Tanaka turned them down. When Annabelle Sanchez turned them down, uh, these were big moves. One for 125 million. One for 80 million. They said, you know what? Uh, you're the Chicago Cubs. We don't want to pitch there. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they got. They got their buddy John Lester. They got some of their so, Boston. So you connections. need your signature guy. You need your generational guy to say, "Here we are. We're the Chicago White Sox. We're here to win championships." And they are doing everything they can to get him, including adding the brother-in-law of Manny Machado. Yonder Alonso is here. I hope they get along. Like, what if they don't even get along? They probably will have done some of that research. Yeah, they can assume. always they can always trade one of them. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Text Matt at six seventy eleven. He'll read all that's worthy in baseball to talk about on the air. We're going to have a lot of guests for you. We'll have plenty of time for your phone calls as well. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. 
Tommy Harvey, the new pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs. Ryan Sandberg mm-hmm. scheduled to join us as well. Mike Rizzo, the general manager of the Washington Nationals, talking about Harper, signing him, bringing him along. Also, Pat Hughes uh, later in the show. But this is your show. Matt and I are here to serve you. Again, 312-644-6767. Text 6711. The White Sox led the show, and we will get to the Cubs in their somewhat distressing status quo. It's 670, the score inside the clubhouse. Throw him a heater. Yonder drives it high in the air. Deep right field. Look out. It is gone to Souvenir City, and the Indians take the lead. Oh, baby. A two-out, two-run mammoth home run for Yonder Alonso. His second home run of the night. Bruce, the highlight courtesy of Fox Sports Ohio. Yonder Alonso, part of the launch angle revolution. Two years ago as an Oakland A, had a terrific year, was an all-star. The game happened to be in Miami. Alonso is Cuban and uh, from Miami. And you know who visited him, visited with him right there? Uh, Fidel Castro? Uh, No, Manny Machado. Manny Machado and his family and Yonder Alonso and his family because Manny Machado's longtime girlfriend became his wife, and that is the sister of Yonder Alonso. And it appears they do have a very, very good longstanding friendship and relationship. That's great. Uh, I I still don't think it has... Much to do with whether Manny Machado becomes a White Sox player or not, but I think it's more to do with... Can't hurt. I think it has more to do with some left-handed power in the White Sox lineup, some alternatives in case uh, Jose Abreu is not a Chicago White Sox player. See, I totally think this is just like we used to see in college basketball when Kansas hired Ed Manning and his son Danny happened to come along when Michael Porter Jr.'s father got hired at Missouri by Quanzo Martin, and he went to Missouri. I mean, this is it's a college basketball recruiting tradition. I, th- I really think that's what's going on here, because Alonzo's useful, yeah. but his age and profile doesn't fit if where the White Sox are. If there's $10 more million dollars from another market, he's going there. Is it Manny? Yeah. Well, okay, but then they could move uh, Yonder Alonso still if you're the they're White not, Sox. They're probably not going to move him, but I mean, he's... They'll just live with uh, him. I mean, they've, they've added $20 million of uh, payroll over the last 10 days. Uh, they're a more credible team on paper. For sure. Yeah, they're, they're, I like the, I like the Ivan Nova edition, Which, which makes way. them more of a destination for a Harper or a Machado. The idea that there's somebody around them so they can actually still be productive players whether they're winning a championship in the first year or two or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That is a key to getting someone to believe in your rebuild, to believe in your future. I think that's what uh, the message is here, is that we're starting to step on it a little bit with some veterans. Matt, your point is very well taken. If they want to move these contracts again, yep. they can do that. Let's talk to the callers uh, in advance of Cubs pitching coach uh, Tommy Hadovy going to be on in a little while here. But this is Ron on the south side on the score. Hello, Ron. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, hey, hey Bruce, that was very appealing when you used to talk about Machado and the, and, and the mood. But you know what, uh, Matt, I agree with you. He's a Yankee. You can mark that down. He's going to the Yankees. And, and Bruce, you mentioned some last week about uh, – uh, Harper, you know, not really being a, a leader. And see, I kind of factor that in. Uh, if he comes to this team, you got some young players. Yes, you have some 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 veterans, but he's going to be looked upon as being a leader. I just think if if everything is equal in terms of money, 
He's going to go to a team like the Dodgers, again, you said Matt, or, or, or Philadelphia. He may not have to provide that leadership, and he may be closer to getting to the World Series. I, I, I just don't think, guys, that he's going to buy into this rebuild. So as much as I would like to see him come. Thanks, guys. Money talks and conversation walks. Uh, and, Ron, you're right. Uh, they're probably not going to offer 10 or 11 or 12 years if Philadelphia is that team then they win the sweepstakes. They're going to pay the most money, get the uh, the player. Um, as to whether he'll be a leader because he's making more money, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You you either you are or you're not. Okay. A, a week ago on this show, we talked to Dan Plesac uh, from MLB Network, and he was one who still believed that the Cubs were going to end up with Bryce Harper. What was the feeling out there in Vegas, Bruce Levine? You were there for the winter meetings. Do people really think? Do people think the Cubs are lurking as a possibility, or is everybody believing the the budget restraints? There's still people that believe that they will at the last minute. Be involved in a big free agent purchase. Hmm. All we can tell you is the facts. They have not spent $1 since they uh, picked up the uh, option on Cole Hamels. They've dumped $7 million of salary for Drew Smiley. They dumped Tommy uh, $1.2 million from Tommy Listella, and that is it. Okay, now, there's rumors of them being uh, you know viable for Troy Tolowitzki, who was released. Uh, yeah. Troy my can't my play, intel can he? is that he's he's done. Okay, I mean you don't you don't just cut a guy and eat thirty eight million dollars. Where, where, where would he play, play for you? Uh, yeah, uh, somewhere on your utility guy. Uh, you know, okay, thanks, but no thanks. But the Tor- most likely Toronto. thing to happen is next week uh-huh. the Cubs sign uh, Daniel Descalso to a two year deal. Okay, right, let's talk about that. Sure, Daniel Descalso mm-hmm. is is so far. The, the prize pursuit, really, for this Cubs offseason. This Cubs offseason that everybody's been looking forward to for a couple of years and all the, the Bryce and Bryant friendships and all the possibilities and everything. We're talking about uh, who they got. They got a guy named Connor, not McKnight, but they got a guy named Connor as the player to be named later in the Listella deal. And they got Dan- they're chasing Daniel Descalso. Well, you know what? Um, he's a really good player. Guy, he's, he's turned himself into a very and, uh, viable offensive player. His launch angle has changed dramatically. Go online and check out some of the things that he's done with himself. He had 80 hits last year. Half of them were for extra bases. But we do segue into the Chicago Cubs, and we bring in on our Aurelia's Pizza Hotline, it's a sauce, and welcome in a good uh, friend of ours and now the new pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs, Tommy Harvey joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Tommy. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, well, what a uh, what a whirlwind it's been for you over the last week, getting uh, named the pitching coach and now going to the winter meetings and uh, being able to talk to your guys differently. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with the pitchers in the past so we can kind of catch Cub fans up as to your uh, your connection with them as you move into the pitching coach job. Yeah, absolutely. I well, I was lucky to be with um, some of those guys in camp in 2014 um, as a as a player and as a you know in a minor league free agent deal and a big league camp invite. And and you know I knew uh, after I threw that last pitch that spring training I was probably going to be done. My shoulder didn't feel very good, so. You know, started that transition between um, that my playing career and kind of what I wanted to do after, and a lot of that was being this bridge um, between 
the analytics departments, the front office, and the coaches and players, and just really help them understand what information is out there and how to use it, you know, with our pitchers. So, as the last you know four years have evolved and those relationships have evolved, you know, we've, you know, my job really became um, working with Borzello on the game planning part of it, but but even more than that too working with our pitchers on the mechanics and, and what pitch data was telling us and how to help shape pitches and make pitches better, how to sequence better, um, how to um, you know, look for mechanical adjustments that need to be done. So those relationships in, in, um, have evolved over the last four years, and I feel like we're in a good place now where, you know, leading into spring training, we're, we're going to be all on the same page, and we've worked together for a while now. It's a fascinating time in baseball, Tommy. Uh, Tampa has a 28-year-old guy, a Princeton graduate with a math degree who went from analytics in the front office. He's going to be wearing a uniform as an assistant coach this year. You are a pitcher, and so you've got everything. You're a guy who has pitched and understands mechanics, but you are coming at it from the analytics side. You're kind of a unique hire around the game in that way. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I think the most important thing teams are are realizing now is just how difficult some of this information is, mm-hmm. and having somebody in that position that can relay the information or just help help break it down and, and give it you know one nugget to to a John Lester or to a Quintana, something that matters instead of having them have to dig through all that information. And you know, it, it is it is a, it's a trend. I think you're you're going to start seeing even more across baseball. Um, but I think that what's even more important, what I hope people understand with me is, even though I do understand some of the analytics stuff and I am able to relate to players, we have a great support group around us. And I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say I know everything about analytics and I know everything about pitching, but I promise you we have amazing people in our front office that know a lot about analytics and can help us dive into stuff. And then we have great pitching coaches around us. We're going to have, you know, Lester Strode's been in the organization for 31 years. So we're now on the implementation phase when we have things we want to try to get done. We've got a good group of people around us. Tommy Hadovy, the new pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs, joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. He's mad on Bruce. Here for you every Saturday from 9 to 11, talking baseball 52 weeks out of the year. Tommy, how far are we away from having a LED board up in the club, up in the uh, dugout uh, where actually – you can go to those analytics and just go through your computer on the wall as you're watching the game and coaching it with a, a guy like Joe Madden. How far are we away from, from those type of situations being in a major league uh, dugout? You know, I honestly don't think we're that far away. Um, the The way MLB has built out the, the iPads and how they've pushed what we're able to do on those iPads, I think soon you're going to start having um, some more organic um, – you know things that you can you can actually interact with during the game uh, instead of just watching video on those iPads where you're just looking at data or, or a spreadsheet or a um, PDF that you've already put on there. So I don't I don't know about having you know the one thing with MLB you're always careful about what you put in the dugouts because you don't want communication between the upstairs front office or scouts and the coaches. But I think I don't think it's far down the line where you're going to have people that in the dugout have more interactive processes and kind of help you, you know, make decisions during the game. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and maybe uh, uh, like the NFL at some point, major league baseball says, go ahead. You can have a headset. You can have a, an earpiece for your pitcher or your catcher. Go ahead. We'll, yeah. we'll make sure we'll, we'll, we'll monitor those lines and make sure they're not tapped into. 
Yeah, I think the one thing um, that's always different with baseball, you know, when you talk about the headsets like quarterbacks have, or you know, they communicate with quarterbacks. Is anytime you're putting something in your ear, yeah, as a pitcher, yeah, I'm, that's something I get a little leery of just because of the feel of it. Now you have guys that are going to have to start, you know, understanding and practice pitching with things in your ear if it falls out, all those things. But, but you're right. I don't think. I don't think we're too far away from having stuff like that just to speed the game up and, and, and have some quick lines of communication. Um, but again, for right now, you, you take what, what's available to you, you take what, what you can do, and you try to get the best out of it. Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hadovy is with us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Tommy, so used to the image of a, of a crusty old pitching coach running out there and telling a guy, hey, uh, you're doing something with your shoulder, right? Or like, you know, your, your foot seems to be dragging and picking up on some little mechanical change. And then people hear us talking about analytics as much, but if they're really listening – you are talking about mechanics. You are talking about release point. You are talking about some of that stuff because it's, so it's not just it's not just numbers. It's like quantifiable scouting, right? Like, like you will be going out there talking about specifics of mechanics and rotation and delivery with guys. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and that's a great way to describe it. That quantitative scouting, you're you're always going to go off of what you see with your eyes, and you want to make sure you understand what you're seeing with the pitcher. But what data helps you do now, with all this analytics helps you do, is pinpoint the exact things that are going wrong in a delivery. So, so now we can have our idea of what we're seeing, and then all of a sudden you go look at the information, you look at the analytics, you say, you know what, I was either right, so let's go act on it, or I was wrong. This is what's actually going on. And now let's figure out how to fix it. So that's the big thing that I think people, you know, maybe don't get to see is how it's all analytics or it's all, you know, pitching mechanics. They're completely intertwined and how we can use them to help guys get better just makes it that much faster. And when you can see that information, you can make that adjustment. And now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're doing, doing something based off of facts, whether then, just an overall opinion of what you're seeing. The the high fastball and curveball combination that has beaten the Cubs and lots of teams with their launch angle over the past couple of years is that is is that trend going to continue uh, across baseball? You think, Tommy? You know, for me, as long as hitters keep trying to you know embrace the launch angle stuff, I think it will. I I, I think it is cyclical though. I, I bet you know eventually there's going to be. Teams are just going to get fed up with it, and they're going to say, "Look, you, we're, we got to get back to this approach. We got to get back to doing this." And then you get right back to, to throwing the sinker. You know, I think pitchers for us, we're always able to adjust a little quicker, and I think we're always so right now. So yes, the elevated fastball, you know, good high spin curveball um, is playing because of the approach a lot of the hitters. Now, you know, fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago, it was sinker sliders. So, you know, I think it will adjust as the hitters adjust the one thing i try to do with our pitchers we just try to stay on top of when those changes are happening and be able to make the adjustments off of that tommy in closing with you matt and i certainly appreciate your time and congratulations on the new job when you look at tyler chadwood going into 2019 how much of it is between his ears and how much of it is a mechanical adjustment or two that he needs to make uh, going forward to uh regain some of that uh quality that he's had in his game over the past six or seven years yeah you know i think with with not not only with chat with chatwood but with all of our pitchers um 
it, it is a it's a blend. It's always a blend of the mental side and the physical side. And you you know you'll read a you'll read a book like Tewksbury wrote that ninety percent mental. You know it's so much of what we do every day. You work on the physical side. You do your drills. You do your your strength and conditioning work. You do your athletic training. We have nutritionists. You have all these people that can help you on the physical side, the fundamental side. But the mental side is such an important part of the game because in the end, you're out there and the lights are on and you're on the mound. You're by yourself. It's you and your thoughts and it's you and your your approach. So um, I think it's a combination. You know, really, I think it's simplifying things for him physically and and giving him one or two nuggets that that he can focus on um, and make his keys in the on the in you know mechanical side. And then again, it's continuing to work through situations mentally and and be prepared for when they arise. And and I think when you do that preparation, and he's such a hard worker as all of our guys are. When you do that preparation work, you do it mechanically, you do it in the pen, you work on your mental side. You know, you know. I think the the goal obviously is to continue to get better with all of our guys, and and we're going to keep trying to do that. Tommy, appreciate it. Congratulations on the new job. Happy holidays to you and your family. Look forward to seeing you at the Cub Convention uh, very soon within a month. Absolutely. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Tommy Hadovy, the new pitching coach of your Chicago Cubs, going to bring a lot of new elements to the job, as Matt uh, talked about in some of the questions that he had for him. And uh, great communicator, not afraid of the challenge. Uh, I, I like the hire a lot. That's a really interesting hire, and it's about communicating the what the front office has learned directly with the players, and uh, and the fact that he was a pitcher, obviously, and understands every level of it is pretty cool. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves with nearly 600 games of NHL experience on the roster. The Chicago Wolves boost or boast the highest scoring offense in the AHL. And, jo- join, and the, join the Wolves tonight or Sunday at Allstate Arena as they host Tucson with free parking courtesy of Kia. Visit Chicago Wolves.com. Ryan Sandberg will join us for a few moments out of the break, talking a little bit about a, a special trip that you can get involved with, with as well. It is 670. The score inside the clubhouse continues. 1 1 pitch. Forever known as the Sandberg game, that Saturday afternoon NBC call with a young, sprightly Bob Costas on the play-by-play. Tony Kubek sitting next to him. Love it. Um, what are the odds that playing in the Sandberg game was Ryan Sandberg? What, what are the odds? I think it's pretty good. The odds are also pretty good that he joins us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Rhino. Hey, good morning, Bruce. Uh, Matt, how you doing? We're good. Thank we're, you, we're, Ryan. we're doing good. Hey, uh, let's start. Seems like... Seems like that's the constant introduction on the on the score here, so I love it. Yeah, well, you never accomplished much else during your Hall of Fame career except that game, right? That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, it seems that way. Sometimes, uh, certainly, the coming out party for you, and it was a, a great game to be at. I'll never, I'll never forget it. Uh, after Willie McGee was named the uh, the player of the game uh, before you went off on <laughs> Suter a couple of times, Rhino. Um, Good friend of yours, and now a new teammate of yours in the Hall of Fame. 
Lee Smith uh, joins uh, this week after being voted in by the Veterans Committee along with Harold Baines. Some of your reflections on uh, Smitty and the ones that you can talk about on the air, because he was certainly one guy that was a great, seemed like a great teammate and a, a loose character. He was, uh, you know, first of all, Bruce, uh, way overdue. Uh, when Lee Smith retired, he was the all-time saves leader. And I understand, and I know that then realized that the, the save stat uh, really didn't start till somewhere in the 70s. So the Hall of Fame was, for me, late on the, on the, on the closer role. So I think that's why that it took so long. Uh, but uh, with the uh, Raleigh Fingers and the Eckersleys and, uh, and Trevor Hoffman, uh, going in, Lee Smith, uh, for me, finally, finally getting in. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, he's he's also very involved in baseball. He he helps out the Cubs with events, and he uh, helps out the San Francisco Giants with uh, pitching as being a a mentor for the young pitchers. So I think it's fantastic. First of all, uh, Bruce, but uh, you know, Lee for me was just that. Uh, guy, we we knew we knew that if we had the lead and uh, and got him into the game in the ninth inning, sometimes it was the eighth inning back then uh, where he'd go two innings, but he would come in and be lights out. With uh, he just had deception um, with his pitches, just the way that he looked out there. He was so so uh, so strong and, and tall on, on the mound that the that I, I've said it before where. Uh, the baseball, even from my vantage point at second base, looked like it was a ping pong ball. Yeah, it did. Up the home plate, and I think the hitters. And I saw Lee Smith when he went to the Cardinals and moved on. I faced him, and it did appear that way. Uh, it just felt like he was striding halfway to the home plate and delivering the ball with his big hands and his uh, his tall figure. That uh, that was his deception part of it. But he had live stuff, but. Uh, to answer your question, Bruce, I mean, he uh, he was also a guy that was known to uh, be out there for batting practice, as we all were shagging. Uh, if he did minimal shagging in the outfield, I didn't see him go into the gaps and rob uh, doubles and home runs <laughs> in batting practice like you see some of the relievers do today. I didn't see that at all. Yeah, he uh, saved he, it all for he, the for the ninth inning. He sure did. Or the eighth uh, inning or the yeah. seventh inning. And some of those games on the fields, if stadiums, if there was a, a shade from the light pole shining on the outfield grass, I think that he wandered over there and, and kind of hung out in the shade uh, for batting practice. But you're right, Bruce. He saved everything for the ninth inning. He would go in and eat a, eat a big uh, lunch or snack uh, after batting practice, and then he his ritual was to uh, take a little uh, nap for two or three innings. Uh, while the first part of the game was going on, and then he'd go to the trainer's room, he'd get his ankles taped, he'd get a rub down, he'd get all ready to go. Hmm. And then in the seventh inning, he would wander out to the bullpen. And, you know, I just always remembered seeing him uh, with that thought being, uh, there's Big Lee, you know, we're in good shape right here, just keep the lead, I'd think those things. And and he'd go out there and and come jogging in like he did, and was a uh, intimidating looking guy uh, jogging in from the bullpen and uh, and went in and was just uh, lights out. I, and I also, uh, some of the response from the opposing teams coming in when we went to the three o'clock games, yeah. Le- yeah, leading, to, leading to the night games with uh, Dallas Green leading that charge of adding three o'clock games, he was pitching often at uh, 545 or six o'clock where the shadows were 
unbelievable at Wrigley Field, and and uh, he was absolutely devastating uh, in yeah, those conditions. Yeah, that was not fair, Ryan. We just have a couple minutes left. Um, I just went to the internet and I googled Ryan Sandberg Ireland Golf, and I found this site right here at SteveBertrandTravel.com. Um, tell people um, it, 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 it quickly what this is about. You and Margaret, you and your wife, going. For a spring yeah. a spring tour, some of southern western Ireland's most scenic and historic spots, playing a few rounds of golf, and people can join you, right? Yes, uh, eight or nine day trip, uh, seven days in Ireland. Uh, I've been to Scotland. I played golf there, and leaving Scotland, everybody there said, "Oh, you got to go to Ireland next." So it's on my bucket list, not only for sightseeing, but uh, four rounds of uh, championship uh, type of uh, course golf. Uh, Margaret and I are, are hosting a group. Uh, we'll. Uh, it, it, everything will be set up, the itineraries, the drivers, the shuttles, the hotels. Uh, uh, very easy trip, but a uh, good way to see Ireland. And uh, we're doing that May 11th through May uh, 18th. Um, the Cubs are out of town most of that trip, good which I like, good I like very much. Uh, so they're on the road. So uh, uh, we're looking forward to that and looking forward to putting together a group to go with us. And uh, where can that be found, Matt? That is uh, stevebertrandtravel.com slash Sandberg dash ireland dash golf. But uh, as I say, if you just go and Google Ryan Sandberg Ireland golf, you'll find it right away. That's going to be That's right. And it's also on my Instagram on my Instagram head page. It's uh, all the information's there. You can look that up. Uh, but it's going to be a great time. Rhino, we appreciate it. Uh, to you and Margaret, the family, happy holidays. Thanks for jumping Thank in, you. giving us some reflex- reflections on Smitty. I couldn't Absolutely. be happier. He was a, a great friend and a great guy and a fantastic pitcher and uh, deserves to be with you guys. So have great no holidays, question. and yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Uh, thanks, Bruce. All right. Brian Sandberg and that great uh, golf trip. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a really good host for stuff like that. I oh, did a, God, yeah. did a meet and greet in Vegas a few years ago with listeners and him, and he's just he's really fun, and we'll hang out the whole time with you. One day I'll I'll tell you about a, a bat that uh, Smitty got me from Sandberg because uh, Smitty owed me a favor. Smitty is Lee Smith. Yeah. Oh, look at you, name yeah. dropping, nickname well, you dropping. Know, I mean, after thirty five years, you should know a few people in the game, right? <laughs> yes, you should, and you do. Right. Speaking of that, one of the guys you know is Mike Rizzo, the general manager of the Washington uh, Nationals, and we'll talk to him next hour, uh, along with, I believe, Pat Hughes next hour, and uh, room for your conversation as well on interesting times for the White Sox and the Cubs in the hot stove. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.